You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Sticks in the Six, episode 105, brought to you by the Indie Ale House in Toronto, boys. Another big week for the Leafs, another big week for Mitch Marner. But before we get into all the Maple Leafs talk, Alex, how you doing this week, buddy? Doing well, man. Um, yeah, I'm obviously uh, things have been going well ever since our last live show. Leafs have put together a little bit of a winning streak. Um, overall, it's been uh, it's been a solid couple of days. I've still got that hole in my heart from uh, the lack of lack of men's ball hockey, but hopefully that'll be back in a couple of weeks, and the stories will be back with that. So. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been a solid couple of weeks, but it's it's been pretty low key. I can't really can't really share too too much. I will say that I gypped FanDuel today, Forbes. I've been seeing that you've been on your little you've been on your little winning streak, killing it. Um, Boys, I've been on I've been on a run here. I'm on the heater. I can I was gonna say I was seeing a lot of green on your profile. Like oh, every man. time you shared a bet, it was like win, 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 win. That's why I asked if you wanted my if you wanted my password. But uh, anyways, the way I I gypped FanDuel a different way, not not from winning a bet. Um, so I had ninety bucks in my account and. Uh, I actually to preface this, I'll say that I had I I made some cool money moves. So when I started uh a couple weeks ago, I want to say this was I think this actually all happened on the day of the show, or at least the first part. So I put down a uh I put down a parlay, like an NHL parlay, and I won somewhere uh, like 80 bucks or something like that, put down 10, 180. So on the day that we did that live show, I actually withdrew that those that those $80. And I used that to get Spezza pressed on my Jersey. And then obviously my account was drained. And then that night, I don't know if you guys remember, I put down another little individual bet. It was, it wasn't a parlay for, for game scores. It was just for individual stats. So I think it was like, I had Tavares as an anytime goal scorer. I had Yegor Sharangovich um, as a anytime, I, I think getting a point anytime. I don't know. There were a couple of things. And I ended up winning another hundred bucks off of that. So it's like I won, I withdrew the money to get Spets on the jersey, and then I won, I won my money right back. And then this is where the jipping comes into play. I, I won my money back, and then I withdrew the money just for myself because I just needed some extra cash. And I go into FanDuel today, and I notice that the money is still in my account, even though it's successfully deposited into my bank account. So. So, so I it's make, like a, I just make a little bet there or what? I, I made a couple. Yeah. The first one I made was a nice little boost for Canada to win one, nothing, two, nothing or three, nothing today. That lasted like four minutes. So <laughs> I immediately lost, uh, lost $10, but uh, I, I still have more in there than I thought I did. So uh, Forbes, you might want to censor me out if there are any FanDuel reps listening right now, but um, no, I, I don't think, I don't think they listen to us ever since DraftKings uh, jumped on board <laughs> yeah, with us. So good. Yeah. But, good. <laughs> Since you since you're on the topic, I'll give you a quick pick for tonight. Uh, this is this is my pick of the night. Three anytime touchdown scores in the uh, Thursday night game. Stefan Diggs, uh, Stevenson for uh, for the Patriots, and then Devin Singletary. Ten bucks pays a hundred and two, or sorry, hundred and twelve. So Forbes, I'm putting I'm gonna put that down right now. I hope you're. Uh... I, I I I'm telling you, like I had one one slow night this week. Uh, aside from that, I cashed two hundred into my account. 
um, left a hundred in my, in my FanDuel account and I've been kind of running with it. So I was back up to 120 <laughs> hey, last night. Um, oh, you know yeah. what? I actually, I actually just realized that the game has already started. So I game has started. To, game has started. Yeah. So down, but, uh, I hope, wish hope for me, hope for me. I wish I had nerves of steel to like do the betting that you guys do, because I, I have a feeling that no matter what I pick, I'm probably going to lose it all. And what? I'm not going to win anything because that's just Peter? usually my luck. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm I'm the same way. People will call me like the biggest flake when it comes to cashing out bets. Like I'll be sitting, I was sitting there last night and Ed, I needed Edmonton to win. And mm. I'm like, man, like they should win. But I'm like, I could cash out 40 or I could wait and win like 64. And I'm like, yeah. ah. I, I was talking to a buddy and I'm like, look, I That's think I got to ride this out. I got to ride this out. And because I had another bet, McDavid and Dreisaitl to both score. So I'm like, oh. man, I'm, I'm kind of leaning on both of these right now and both hit. So there you it's, go. it's just kind of like, you know, finding, finding those ones that are going to, going to be sleepers or ones mm-hmm. that are going to hit yeah. for you. And that's the way it goes. But Peter, speaking as somebody who was in your situation, like right when I started as well, I would say that, and I'm sure Forbes can attest to this too. One of the keys to prevent yourself from going too crazy is to leave. It's is to keep your, your maximum bet low. Like I don't, I rarely ever. Bet oh, absolutely. Yeah. On something. The only time I I go over is those super bets. So there's a bet right now on there (laughs) for the Leafs on December 3rd against Tampa to get one shot on goal. (laughs) Yeah, I put that max bet of of 20 bucks. You win 38. So you can't go wrong. You can't. 18 bucks. You could literally sit on those bets the whole time and just keep building your account. You don't have to hit anything else. So, yeah, yeah, you could make a FanDuel account and only hit those super boosts. And I guarantee you'll you'll profit. And and you can play with the house's money if you use one of our codes. (laughs) There you go. Perfect. I mean, I may have to look into that. And no, I'm not going to bet some anything stupid like, you know, 100, 200, 300. I, I'm, I, not, I'm never going to do that. Like I hit 10 to 20 bucks picker. max. Like 10 nine to 20 bucks yesterday. max. But there we go. That That's probably as much as I'll go. But then again, I don't know. I'm kind of like that bad luck Brian meme where everything's going to go wrong south very quickly. Peter, Peter, if it makes you feel any better, the first bet that I ever placed, and this was before I even downloaded an app. This is this was like early 2021, and this was in the stage when I didn't want to get line. addicted. I, yeah, I, I did. I played, pro, I played pro line. I did the old fashioned go to the convenience the three store. three game parlay on pro line. You have to choose three games. You always <laughs> lost one. I know that yeah. time. Buddy, oh, but it's not even listen. So I bet three games and I actually I made them super specific and my payout was looking really nice. I think it was I put down five and it was supposed to be like 110. And I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it was Pittsburgh beating Washington by two or more, which they did. Um, it was the I want to say the Islanders beating the Sabres by two or more, which they did. And then I had um I had the over between the Golden Knights and the Avalanche. And it was, and sorry, I had the over and Colorado winning. So I remember in that last game, I was sitting, I was sitting up watching it. Cause it's like the last game that I, I needed. And I remember it was two, two with like a minute left in the game. And I was, I, I'd given up hope at that point. I was like, all right, this, this is clearly done. Um, and Kadri scored for Colorado with 40 seconds left. And I hit the over. It was so it was over under 5.5 goals in the game. So I was like, okay, if Colorado gets an empty net goal here, then I then I then I win this bet. And like I said, this is the first bet that I've ever made. So I was all fired up about it. And naturally, Vegas turned it on and played the most elite shutdown defense I've ever seen for those last 40 seconds. Colorado couldn't get an empty netter, and that's how I lost. 
Oh, man. So from that from that point on, I was like, okay, I got to make up for that. And I, I think overall, because of the small amount of bets that I've placed, I think overall I've probably made more money than I've lost, but it's really not by much of a large margin because I'll go, I'll go into bad slumps where I just won't hit anything. But you know what? You're, you're, you're spot on though, when you're talking about it too, because you set yourself that limit. So like for me, most, mm-hmm. most of the time, unless it's like one of those for sure bets or like one of the boosts that I, I know is going to hit, um, I'm not throwing down more than 10. And oh, yeah. like for the most part, like I'll do like a four picker or a three picker. Like this week, I I'm telling you something, something was in the water because the one night I, I hit like 300 bucks on like nine pickers, in, in basketball where guys are getting like shooting three threes and hitting 25 points and, you know, nine, nine rebounds or something, mm-hmm. something stupid like that. And I was just on an absolute heater, but um, the key is setting yourself a limit and, and, yeah. and finding a way to finding a way to kind of stick with it. But it's a, it's um, a slippery, it's a slippery slope Forbes. We're, we're, it can you be. know, we start off with, mm-hmm. with I, oh, I don't think you know the direction I'm going and going in with this yet. I was going to say it starts off with Forbes cashing a couple of NBA parlays, and it ends with us having a proper studio to sit in and record. And yeah, so, yeah, that's right. Forbes you know, right. is going to single-handedly right. fund hey, our studio with this. I'm a, I'm a big dreamer, boys. I'm a big dreamer. I'm taking this. <laughs> I'm taking this pod places. Um, but Peter, uh, quickly over to you. How's your week been, buddy? Uh, yeah, kind of like Alex. Very quiet, low-key. You know, sometimes it's always a good thing. Um. Really nothing to talk about in my end, just relaxing, gearing up for the Christmas season already, you know. Um, yeah, basically shopping's all done. Like, don't need to worry about anything. So maybe, maybe just like continue to kick back, relax, enjoy whatever time in between and just relax. And good thing is get to see my family in Montreal. So that's the big bonus go. with everything happening with all that, you know, two years not seeing them after this has become like a new tradition of ours. Uh, can't wait to, you know, get back on the trail, go on a road trip and spend Christmas with in Montreal. Share the show, share the show with them, even though they're Habs fans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 trust me. They, they listen and watch, but at the same time, it's just, they're kind of conflicted knowing that the team that we <laughs> yeah. cover, but Peter, how much for that. you to walk downtown Montreal and hand out sticks in the six flyers? I'll oh, give I, you could, some, I could so do that. I'll give, hey, I'll give you some sweaters. I'll give you some sweaters. Hey, you can hand hey, them out. I'll gladly do some publicity. <laughs> I actually, there, you know? I actually remember. I've actually worn my... an ugly Christmas sweater to like one of the first few times we went over there, and they were just laughing at me the whole entire time. But hey, who cares? <laughs> also, boys, I, I teased that I had some news to share before we started the episode, and I, I'll announce it right now. Um, as of the start of this recording, Steven Stamkos has report recorded point number one thousand in the game tonight. Which Beautiful. obviously, as yes. we all know, as we it's all not know, happening Saturday. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yes. he didn't do it tonight. Then he was going to go into Saturday's game against the Leafs with 999 mm. points. So, and this would probably serve as a perfect segue to possibly our first point. Will Mitch Marner break the record? Well, we'll get into that one second here because I yeah, got a few talking go. points for the first oh, time yourself. ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have Let's some go. good talking points for the week. First off, first off, I have to make a correction because last week on the live show, I said that my son Oakley said too much beer. And in fact, he did not say too much beer. He said, daddy, lots of beer. So there you go. <laughs> That's a huge correction because yeah. I, I got scolded when I got home for that one. Oh, 
um, but he was he was noticing that there was a lot of beer on the table and good for yeah. him because <laughs> my dad my dad's exactly not an friend. alcoholic he drinks the perfect amount exactly exactly <laughs> um on top of that um I'm, I'm really excited to get this show going i'm also excited to get this show done because i got some fritters coming from a local place called the fritter house so Ooh. those are gonna be at the door as soon as we're done this episode um, I, I'm living big. I'm living large right now, guys, because the fan, the the gambling's taken off. I do have to say though, after your uh, your little throw on the Spezza jersey at the end of the episode last week, I've been waiting because you and I went to Real Sports to get our get names put on jerseys. I'd assigned Wendell Clark jersey with no number, no name, nothing. They even called me the next day to ask if I wanted the C on the front, which of course I want the C on the front. Anyways, I missed a package today from Canada Post. And I am incredibly disappointed because I can guarantee you that it was my signed Wendell Clark jersey. Oh. From so I'm dying to pick it, and and you can you can't pick it up at the post office until the following day. So I mm-hmm. I can't even go and get it until until tomorrow. But um, on top of that, off your Stamkos point before we get into the Leafs talk here, my starting centers this week for fantasy in my keeper league, and I've made some huge deals because I haven't won in. I think we're going on year 10 or year 11. And I got the trophy right here in my basement because I get it inscribed every year. I My starting my starting centers are Jack Eichel, Steven Stamkos, and Sidney Crosby. I've made some huge deals. Filthy. They're $30 of my $85 cap. So I've made some massive deals, but the Stamkos news is music to my ears. I'm happy there to hear go. it. Um, my week ta- is my week is going well. It's, it, 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 going well is an understatement. You're taking you're taking the Leafs route, eh? Tying forty percent of your cap to a couple of forwards. <laughs> <laughs> hey, eventually it's going to get done. Eventually right. it's it going to get done. Well, it, will it happen this year for Absolutely. both the Leafs and your fantasy league? Absolutely. We will get into some NHL news a little bit later on the show, boys. But of course, we have to kick it off right away with Mitch Marner uh, and what he's done over the last number of games. 18 to be exact. He ties Eddie Oldchuck. He ties Daryl Sittler for the most consecutive games with a point for Maple Leafs in franchise history. Um, And almost didn't get it. Almost didn't get it. Missed the empty net. And then finally potted the empty net goal. And you could see, you could see the beads of sweat running down his face. Cause he, he knew, he knew he just got that one, but uh, what a, what a franchise mark for him. Obviously the fans at home uh, gave him a standing ovation. uh, Well-deserved. People have criticized this guy up and down uh, for years now. And this really, he's on pace for having what could be a career year. Um, Peter, let's throw it to you first. Your thoughts on Mitch Marner and his run of 18 straight. Uh, It's historic. I mean, like this is big no matter what. And, you know, there's a lot of like comments on like social media about like, oh, why are the Maple Leafs fans celebrating this? This is big. This is big for the franchise. Like this is. This is a record that hasn't been broken or beaten in quite some time. And for him to join the company of, you know, Sittler and Olchek, that's phenomenal work. And, you know, we talk about like, I, I know that we've talked about this constantly, especially last year and even on the lounge too, about Mitch Marner's start last season. It was not the greatest considering how Matthews was out. They were going to rely on him, Tavares and Nylander. Tavares and Nylander looked great, but at the same time, Mitch Marner wasn't quite himself. You know, um, I believe his production was like three points in nine games last season. And obviously not the best in terms of what you want from a guy that's making close to 11 million. But this time around, you know, just under a point per game, nine and 10, 20 and 15 in the month of November, 20 points or 29 points in 25 games. 
And how can you not be happy for him after, you know, getting the criticism that he has warranted in the, or that he got in the past, whether it was warranted or not. But the fact that he's running away with it, the fact that he's getting that start and the fact that he's like, you know, trying to put a lot of the doubters in check because, you know, when Mitch Marner is on a heater, everyone's like, oh, he's the best in the league. He's one of the best and great. But when he's not, then the complaints start coming out kind of like not necessarily what we were seeing with Matthews, but with his slow start, but it's just, it's great to see him succeed. And especially with what he's dealt with in the past, um, the fact that he's becoming, you know, like, like you said, for this is probably going to be a career year. And I want to see the on pace stats before I say anything, but if it's going to be what I think it is, you know, this could be finally the season where Mitch Marner finally gets 100 points. He's on pace for 90, but if he keeps producing at the pace that he is right now, just like the way he ended last season, he could hit 100, no doubt. Yeah, so he's he's just shy of what his pace or what his point totals were for last year. I believe he's mm-hmm. on pace for um just over 90 points. He had finished with 97 last season in 72 games. That said, that obviously can change. I mean, this is a guy who's who's on an absolute tear right now. Um, and to do what he did in the month of November, he's obviously the third star of the month behind uh, Vinicek and uh, Jason Robertson. And, I mean, 20 points in, in I believe it was 15 games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 20 points in 15 games, six goals, 14 assists. Alex, I mean, is this is this guy ready to break the record for the, for the franchise mark, or are we uh, are we going to be throwing a little jinx his way prior to the December third game? Uh, you know what? I, I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna say there'll be a jinx just because I've always maintained this about Marner. When he is off his game, he can be the most painful player in the world to watch because anytime he's off his game, you can see that he's in his own head and he's just. He's, he's the type of player who can't be in his own head if he wants to succeed. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, when Mitch Marner is on, which he has been for the entire month of November, there is, honest to God, not too many players in the league I'd rather watch more than him. Just because the way that he can... And you know what? Matthews, when he's on his game, can take control of the game as well. But there's something special about Marner when he can just control the puck. He can... He, he can you know, he'll back check and he'll stick check a guy and he'll make good defensive plays. And then he'll come back and just dictate the entire pace of the, of the possession and the other, in the opposing team's zone. And honestly, I don't really see him slowing down until he's forced to. So I think the Leafs are going to be doing, I know that the Leafs aren't really concerned. I, you know, you've heard Matthews and Martin talk, but they're more concerned about getting wins than they are about individual achievements. Having said that, the Leafs are going to do whatever they can to get Marner that that ex, that one point on Saturday night, whether it's a secondary assist or, you know, hitting him up with the empty net again. Like he, this guy's found a way to be involved in the offense in every single game. And it's a large part about why they've had such a good month of November. So why, why, why would they stop now? Uh, you know, I, or why would he stop now even like, I, I just, I, I don't see a, I don't see a way that he just, he, he, he loses, he, he loses that, fire and that animosity that he's had all year and um i i think assuming you know assuming nothing happens between between today and saturday like you know he's he's on his game right now he's playing the best hockey he has all year some of the best hockey in his career like right along with the second half of last season um i think that if there's a way he's going to be involved in the offense 
he's he's going to find that way. And I, I, I I'm not I'm not going to go into Saturday's game expecting him to hit that 19 game point streak mark. But at the same time, I am going to feel optimistic going into that game because I, you know, we've seen what Marner can do at the top of his game. And, you know, if he, if, if he plays any, if he plays the same way that he did uh, last night and on Monday night and Saturday night, et cetera, then I, I don't see how, I don't see how he slows down. I just don't. And it's actually kind of disappointing because I didn't get to see his point, his eight, uh, his point last night to extend, eh, to extend the streak to 18 games this fucking 3.30 a.m. wake up's finally starting to get to me. I didn't have a nap yesterday, and I fell asleep in second intermission. <laughs> I, I never fall asleep during a Leaf game, ever. And especially not when the game is tied and there's actually still, like, meaningful hockey to be played. I fell asleep during the intermission, and I woke up when they were all celebrating with with uh, with Samsonov. So it's unfortunate, but hopefully I'll be able to take in this uh, point on Saturday night, or the game, rather. Yeah, no, it's definitely... Uh... It, it's a different Mitch Marner that we're seeing. And, and I noticed it not only with the spinorama he pulled on the first uh, first rush of the, the night for yes. him, but there was another point in the game when he was skating through the, the offensive slot with his head down, you know, stick handling the puck. And I'm like, this guy's either going to get fucking nailed or he's going to make a huge play. And he ended up making a big play. I forget what, what came from it, but regardless, like he didn't, he found a way to get through like, I think three defenders with his head down and making that play. And that's when I, I knew he was on. And I got to watch this kid in, in, in London when he was here and the talent that he had was so overwhelming for the OHL. It was hard for people to understand that this could translate to the NHL level. It's now translating to the NHL level and we're seeing the best of what this kid has to offer. And for once, it seems like he has the confidence he has, he doesn't care what people are saying. And he's talked a little bit this year about like how he stayed off social media and he's trying not to focus on what the, you know, what the media is saying as much and just trying to focus on his game. And we're seeing more of that from, I think a lot of the Leafs and that's why we're Mm -hmm. seeing them maybe turn it around as quickly as they have. But Mitch Marner is on, is absolutely on one right now. And I'd be shocked if he doesn't find a way to get a point in the, in the the game against Tampa on, on the, the third I do believe that they're finding every way possible to make the play run through 16. Mm-hmm. And if they do, if they continue to do that, there's no reason why they, they won't be able to make it work unless Vasilevsky stands on his head. Like he did in game seven against the Leafs and, and shuts them down. But if, if there's, if there's goals to be had for the Leafs against Tampa Bay, I would not be surprised to see Mitch Marner um, get involved. And there you go. Fan duel bet. Mitch Marner for zero over 0.5 points until he doesn't get one. I would lay that bet every single night. So, and it's something funny that- how you said that. Sorry for it. It's funny oh, how you said ahead. that they wanted to like run the play through him. And they did that exactly with that late power play against the sharks where they had like five or six glorious opportunities. And I think Mitch Marner touched the puck in every single instance where it would have ended up either as a primary or secondary assist or even a goal because he had a few good chances on that play. So they were doing everything to try and get him that or to try and to tie the marker. And then he had that pass to bunting when he should have shot the puck. And then everybody's just punting on him at the end. But if, if they're able to do the same thing and, you know, whether it's on a power play, five on five, whatever, like something's going to happen. And I can guarantee you it's going to be worth it. It's going to be a special moment for him. It's going to be a special moment for the team because you know, rough start to the season for everybody. This is something that they need, and this is something that they could all build off on. 
Yeah, no, very true, very true. And um, something that's also worth noting is is the uh, the defense and how they've played as well. So you have Marner who's who's getting it getting it done offensively. You have the blue line playing as well as they are. It's success written on paper right there. That's how you get it done. You've got guys like Sandine, guys like Lilligren, guys like Giordano, who's like old as fuck, but he's still stepping it up to get it done. And the way you I said mean, that, the way you said Giordano just reminded I can me say a bunch that. of I can say that. I'm 34, Giordano. still younger than him. Giordano. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, the injuries that the Leafs have been plagued with on the blue line this season – any team could fold underneath under that kind of, you know, um, under those kind of circumstances. But you get guys like Muzzin out of the lineup. You get guys like Riley out of the lineup. You get guys like Brody out of the lineup. Even J- Jordy Ben, who who had a good start to his Maple mm-hmm. Leafs career, um, you know, he's out of the lineup. All of a sudden, you've got guys like Mac Hollowell stepping up, um, and he's he's looked phenomenal. I he's had little hiccups here and there, but which are expected, expected in, in the situation that he is. Remember, he was a fourth round pick for the Leafs. That is that is what I like to see. I like to see the growth and the the development within the organization. Uh, Alex, injuries aside, what are your thoughts on the Leafs' defense so far this season? It's it's very encouraging, and you know, I, I feel like we've had some sort of conversation like this, not necessarily about the defense, but some sort of conversation that would lead to me saying something to the effect of "This year feels different." And I don't want to say that again, because every year I've said something like that. And every year they've disappointed me in the end. But having said that, we're still a Maple Leafs podcast. I am still going to analyze what I've seen based on based on what I've seen or sorry, analyze the game based on what I've seen. Sorry, I don't know why I had so much trouble getting that sentence out, but um, I am going to analyze the games based on what I think and what I see. And what I'm seeing right now is a team that looks way more bought into the mindset of team defense. And, you know, the Leafs were overall, I, I, outside of the injury, the injury to Mitch Marner and outside of, you know, the occasional injuries here and there to Jake Muzzin, the injury bug was actually pretty tame towards the Leafs last year. And so, you know, we never really got to see how they would respond to being hit with the injury bug the way that they have this year. And, you know, with with Muzzin out of the lineup early on, and then TJ Brody, who I would say is the most stable defenseman outside of maybe mm-hmm. Giordano now on the on mm-hmm. the defensive core and has been for the past few years, to see him go down and then to see Morgan Riley, who's, you know, obviously has his defensive shortcomings, but he's Morgan Riley. He's he he's been their number one guy ever since 2015, 16 around then. And so to see three of your top four defensemen go down with an injury, it's obviously cause for concern. I don't think the Leafs ended up I don't think the Leafs expected to have um, Mac Hollowell up playing games at this stage of the season on a pairing with Victor Metze. I don't think the Leafs expected to be going out and pulling a trade off for Connor Timmins to further help them in that regard. And even Jordy Ben now, who was, who came in to replace Brody after Brody was injured, he's also injured now as well. So um, there's been a lot of adversity for the defensive core, but I think the Leafs team defense as a whole has really tightened up. And I just want to say right now on the record that, Justin Hall deserves some serious credit yeah. for the way that he has played. Mm-hmm. You know, we have not shied away from ripping into Justin Hall on this podcast before. And it's it's funny because this is one of those moments where it makes me sit down and wonder, you know, like, do I know fucking anything about the game of hockey? Because this whole time, my main gripe with Justin Hall was that the Leafs were trying to force him into a position and a role that he was not fit to be in. And the specific evidence that I cited was 
looking back to the start of the 2021 season when they had those really good two months of Hall and Muzzin. And ever since then, it's they've tried using Hall and Muzzin again and tried like over and over again, they've tried using that pairing. And each time they have, it's gone horrible. There have been like the odd game here and there where they've looked good, but most of the time it's just it it just seemed apparent that this this defensive core and that pairing rather isn't what they used to be. So you can imagine my surprise when Justin Hall gets put into a top two role with all the injuries that have taken place, Mm -hmm. plays 25 minutes a night, and he's played some of the best hockey I've seen him play. You know, he still makes this, these boneheaded clearing attempts every now and then overall his, like his, his shot blocking ability, his able, his ability to, to break up passing lanes and his ability just to sort of smother the opposing team. And he's been throwing the body as well. I think he's second in the team on, on the team and hits this year, maybe third, but Either way, he's top three in hits on the team right now. And he's eating so many minutes. And obviously playing with Mark Giordano is going to help that. But Justin Hall has been so good in these past couple of games. And I think that I, I think that he deserves some credit. And I think that a lot of Leaf fans got to kind of, you know, as much as the sample size has only been however many games, I think a lot of Leaf fans have to sort of eat some crow on this like I am because, mm-hmm. you know, we all sat here and demanded that they trade Justin mm-hmm. Hall, that they, they they do this and they do that. They they, they send him off and clear cap for a, for a sixth round pick, whatever the hell. I wrote an article about how protecting Justin Hall in the expansion draft was Kyle Dubas' worst move. <laughs> and, you know, obviously, like, I, I know that he still had his bad moments this year, but as of right now, I can say with confidence that in the past couple of weeks, Justin Hall has probably been one of their best defensemen, mm-hmm. and he deserves some credit for the way that he's played. And I think he's been an instrumental part of this this solid team defense that we've seen over the past couple of weeks. Peter, with all the injuries aside, Leafs defense in the last few weeks, uh, knowing very well where they're at. Yeah, I mean... I noticed the trend and, you know, I even wrote about this uh, like recently towards the end of November and just overall the defense and the way that they're shutting things down is just you can't be, you know, help but think that, you know, where was this defense with Morgan Riley in the lineup? And not to say that TJ Brody didn't have great games, but like this just seems like a whole different team when they're when they're star players aren't in the lineup or on the blue line. I mean, even Sandine and Lilligren are getting more opportunities and they're starting to thrive and excel. Rasta Sandine, we even talked about how, you know, he struggled at times to start the season. And now he's regaining that confidence because I know Keith has talked about that, trying to get him going. And we're starting to see that right now. Um, I just think that overall, the defense tells a different story from what we've seen. And the fact that they, even with the tested depth, they're not faltering. And even in these like lasso or in the five game winning streak. Yeah. They've had, you know, had to go up against tough, to tough teams like the New Jersey devils, Pittsburgh penguins are still a lethal threat. They managed to come out on top. So the fact that they still managed to hold their own to play a solid shutdown style, but even engage on the attack when they need to with guys like Sandine and Lilligren. And you you had a great piece on Mac Hollowell Forbesy about his role to the NHL and the fact how despite him being undersized, this he has the perfect f- frame and physical capabilities and strength to handle the physical 
physicality of the NHL. Yeah, five foot nine, but at the same time, 200 pounds, he could hold his own. The fact that he's able to do that, be a right-handed shot, and, you know, provide some of that stability on the back end when the Maple Leafs need it most, he's thriving. And Alex, I, I, I can't, you know, say anything else than what you said about Justin Hall other than the fact that, you know, yeah, I, I we still see some of those like clearing attempts that are just like simple plays and he waits that extra second that's still, you know, if you're on Twitter, you would see, oh my God, what is Hall doing? What are you doing? Just clear the puck. We still see that, but at the same time, he's been more consistent. And like he said, you know, the utilization about him trying to be in the third pairing defenseman probably would be better. But even right now, without Muzzin, without Riley, Brody, Ben, who's gotten more or certain opportunities in the top two as well, He's playing well with Giordano. So what what happens when all these players come back? You know, obviously Riley and Brody are going to be back in your top pairing, but you keep Sandino Lilligren as your second. You keep Giordano and Hall as your third because Giordano and Hall have looked very, very great in that time. And I'm I'm even so, like you said, Forbes, about Giordano, how, you know, 39 years old, playing 20 plus minutes a game. I think he's now at you know, eight of the last 10 where he's had 20 plus minutes. I'm going to have to double check on that. But, you know, the way that he's getting in, mixing it up to showing the leadership, showing he, he's providing the same stability that Jason Spezza had last season. And the fact that we're, he's still showing that at his age right now, it's a great sign that, you know, this probably isn't going to be the end for Giordano. I think he'd like he signed up for one more year, but I think he's going to be doing those one more year league minimum, at least two, two times at least. And until then he's just going to keep on playing. Uh, just checking right now since November 12th, he's played. I want to say every single game since November 12th, he's played 20 plus minutes. And in his last four games, he's reached 22 minutes three times out of the four times. So they wanted to see what Giordano can do. He's playing like, you know, peak Giordano when he was like in his Norris Trophy year or before then when he was still a very steady two-way threat with the Calgary Flames. You just can't help but feel happy that, you know, yeah, it took three injuries because, you know, we want to see... Morgan Riley shoot the puck more. We want to see more consistency from Jake Muzzin. Granted, with his injury right now, we can't see that. But they have the death was the main concern. Whether like if there were injuries, there was going to be will players step up? And we're seeing right now the players step up in a big way because they have been at the forefront these last four or five, or never mind four or five, last two, three weeks with all the injuries being dealt to them and they're handling it like true professionals. So look, I, I agree. I agree with both you guys. I think that the, the defense has stepped up in a big way over the last couple of weeks with, with the injuries that they've, they've had. Um, I do think that Justin Hall deserves some credit. I do think uh, Mark Giordano um, deserves some credit as well, because no matter who he's played with since he's come to the Leafs, they've looked better. Lilligren developed under yeah. him. Um, mm -hmm. Justin Hall is playing well uh, with him. So I do think he deserves some of the credit to, to the success that Hall is having as well. That said, I'm not I'm not dead set on on taking back everything that I said about Justin Hall. I do think that he needs a start somewhere else. I do think that 
the the thing we've seen, and, and I'll give you examples, Larry Murphy, Jake Gardner, Justin Hall, I think they're put in positions where they're set to fail with the Maple Leafs. Justin Hall is a not, not a top four defenseman. There's no question about that. Um, and, and I understand with the right partner, he can look relatively good. Um, but he still makes some fluff passes in the center. He still he mm-hmm. still makes some questionable plays in his own end. It's it, it's not if you have him out there with the third pairing, by all means, I I I I think he's a third pairing guy. I think he's going to succeed somewhere. I really do. Um, but I do think he's taken a hit here in Toronto, and I I think maybe the fans were too hard on him. Maybe we were too hard on him. Maybe. Maybe it's just, you know, we put him in the spotlight like we did with Jay Gardner. Jay Gardner wasn't a bad defenseman. Jay Gardner was a puck-moving defenseman that should not have been in the top four or on the top pairing, period. And they mm-hmm. signed him to a deal that made him seem like he was a top pairing guy. And that's that's kind of where we're at with Justin Hall. They protected him, which had people like Alex, when he wrote that article, kind of looking back and saying, well, we could have protected somebody like Jared McCann instead of <laughs> Justin Hall. Right. And, and, and that's where that, that perception is put into play, right. That narrative is put into play. Um, and, and I do think like he's played well, he's played well over the last couple of weeks and he has certainly stepped up his play. And I hope to heck that he continues to step it up and he succeeds here in Toronto. I would love nothing more than to sit back and say, Justin Hall, help them win game seven of, of the first round to get them into the second round. I would love nothing more. I, I can't say that until I see it happen. And at this point, like, I think you've got, you've got guys like Sandine and Lilligren stepping up. I love what Matt Hollowell has brought. I think, you know, this, his size, size aside, like, look at what he's done. I think Victor Mete stepped in yeah. really well. Did um, I not again, say that Victor Mete would surprise us all at the beginning of the season? Absolutely. And, and again, and again, a smaller guy that plays a little bit bigger than he is. But he 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 makes the simple plays, and I think that's what sets him aside a little bit. Um, I would love to see more from Justin Hall. I I think he's got the size and the ability that he should be able. He just he folds very easily, and I don't know if you guys saw that picture with a Pierre Engvall in the dressing room after with spraying Mitch Marner with the water, and he's he's absolutely fucking ripped, just absolutely toned. Okay, yeah. um, this is a guy that needs to hit, and I guarantee mm. you that that Justin Hall is the same way. Like he's a guy that needs to get in there and get into the, the grimy areas and play that well. But aside from that, I mean, the defenses look good. And I think, I think if you talk to any goaltender that's played behind them right now, this season, they'd all agree that, that Toronto, Toronto has a good defense. Um, it's, it's about, uh, you know, minimizing the mistakes as we get into playoff hockey and playing that physical physical game inside your own end and i think that'll come as well um but in saying that connor timmons they went out and got connor timmons there's going to be an overloaded defense when you know everyone's healthy and back playing um assuming riley and and tj brody and and jordy ben kind of all all heal up fairly quickly but connor timmons and mac hollowell those are the two young guys that are going to be stepping in for the maple leafs over the next couple of weeks I want to get your thoughts on the deal, Peter, and uh, where you can see where you see Mac Hollowell and Connor Timmons kind of fitting in long term. Yeah, um, to be determined on Mac Hollowell, but he has like shown a lot of promise, and the fact that he's coming into the lineup, yeah, Keith is us- utilizing him in a great way to, you know, 
just get him uh, uh, acclimated at the NHL level. The fact that he's playing extremely well, the fact that he's playing me- not necessarily meaningful minutes, but in key situations for them, shows that Keith has faith in him. And I, I'm curious to see what he, what he does with Connor Timmons as well. I'm pretty sure he's going to be in the same situation where, you know, young young guy, 24 years old, still trying to find his way into the NHL because of all the injuries that he's had in the past. And maybe this is just a fresh start for him because he I in his draft year, I really liked him in regards to his like two-way plays, puck moving abilities, and everything that he's able to do because he's just so calm. And you know, Dubas had a great comment about his like overall play. And I I'm gonna try and find the quote later on, but the quote just basically sums up the play of Connor Timmons and the fact that he hasn't had that opportunity to stick with an NHL team because of the injuries is not necessarily concerning, but it gives him a, a new opportunity. And the fact that he like just solidifies the depth a little bit more with his smart two-way play, you know, with his uh breakout plays and transition, I think that this is going to be a great underrated deal, although not the one that many would like to try and, you know, get a top four defender. He was projected to be a top four defender given his overall skill set and the fact that maybe he's not going to get that with the Maple Leafs, but if he could still maintain that presence of being on the third pairing, you know, try and keep everything calm with his demeanor and his play style. I think this is, this move is going to play out very, very well for Dubas for the Maple Leafs and their defense. But right now having both Hollowell and Timmons into the fold right now, the way that Harwell is playing, the way that Timmons has shown to play in the past is a really great sign that they have solidified their depth. But again, we need to see the on-ice results and hopefully that he's got a few practices under his belt. We can see him in NHL action because I really liked him in his time in junior. I loved what he brought as, you know, both as an ad slash coyotes prospect to come up into the system, but it just hasn't quite worked out for him as I met, as with the injuries. But now that he's healthy, I this is what he needs. This is probably the pick me up that he needs to get his career uh going right now. No, absolutely. And uh Alex, your thoughts on on bringing in a guy like Connor Timmons who who simply has suffered from injury after injury after injury and a guy like Mac Hollowell and the way that he's played the slap pass that he made to uh Austin Matthews last night. Yeah, I mean Hollowell like I don't really have any complaints about him. I like you said he's had, he's had his hiccups here and there but that's to be expected when you bring a guy into the NHL for the first time, let alone a defenseman. Um, overall, I think he's he's looked really solid. Um, I think there's definitely some untapped offensive potential there. I think it's just a matter of getting him into those positions and getting getting him into a into a role where he can succeed. And I don't know if you're going to get too much offense out of him playing him on the bottom pairing. But at the same time, that's obviously where you're going to start him when you bring him into the NHL for the first time. Uh, on Connor Timmons. I very much like this trade because I look back to the 2017 draft and, you know, the Leafs interviewed Connor Timmons. There's an interview with him up on their YouTube channel from the draft combine in 2017. And, you know, this is a guy that was projected to go in the mid to late first round in 2017. You factor all that information in, combine it with the fact that he was a Sioux Greyhound. I mean, it seemed like there was the writing on the wall for the Maple Leafs to take Connor Timmons at 17th overall in that draft had Timothy Lilligren not, not fallen into their laps right there. So, you know, I I won't say it's, it was destiny because I don't think the Leafs would have gone out of their way to trade for Timmons had he not been made available. But 
I think there's some untapped potential here. And I wrote an article on it. And, you know, naturally I got comments from people saying, oh, what? Now the people think Connor Timmons is the answer for this defensive core. <laughs> and uh, I was like, no, I didn't say that anywhere. I don't think anybody said that. But um, anyways, <laughs> those, those are the same people. Those are the same people, though, that wrote wrote you and said that Matt Murray and uh, Ilya Samsonov aren't going to be a good good tandem. So we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean. I, I think for the purpose of adding a guy to a defensive core that's that's been hit hard by the injury bug to start the year, um, for that alone, I think it was a decent trade. But, you know, Kyle Dubas even said after he swung the trade that there's some long-term potential there, which there is. I mean, Timmons yeah. was a first-round pick in 2017. He's been hit really hard by the injury bug, which is unfortunate. He missed that entire, I believe it was the 20... 18 19 season he was he missed it with concussion symptoms and then he missed the majority of last season too with a knee injury so two separate injuries but he's lost he's essentially lost two years of his development so you know for a team like arizona who's got you know they had so many different guys on their back end. i think they had like nine defensemen that were signed nhl deals or something like that so obviously they were going to make a move and you know for timmons there's some familiar familiarity there with dubas and you know he played with he played with, I want to say, both Rasmus Sandin and Mac Hollowell in um, in the Sioux. So there's some familiarity there as well. And he's he right-handed. He brings good size. He, he, he's, he's got some strong offensive capabilities. Like, you know, I think at best-case scenario, the Leafs may have just picked up a future top-four defenseman for dirt cheap. And if it doesn't work out that way, I mean, they, they moved on from Curtis Douglas. And unless this mm-hmm. guy pulls a Mason Marchment and, you know, I, I already know that he's going to, he's going to get called up to the NHL at some point. He's going to drop the gloves and score his first NHL goal in the same game. And that same subsection of Leafs fans that we were just talking about are going to be like, why would Kyle Dubas trade the only six foot nine player in the organization, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was a good trade overall. Um, we'll have to see how he adjusts. I'd like to see him get into the lineup at some point, and it's unfortunate because with Mac Hollow's play, I don't really think it's deserve. I don't think really think he's deserving to be taken out of the lineup at this point. But on the other hand, you know they're going to have four right-handed defensemen in the lineup, and when is the last time that was a problem for the Leafs? Too many right-handed defensemen, eh? Mm-hmm. So I mean. I think Connor Timmons should be getting a look soon, but the problem is I don't think there's anybody you can take out of the lineup except for uh, Matt Hollowell to get him get him that look. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. You know, Hollowell could go back down to the AHL, get some more regular minutes, get some more minutes in general, and while Connor Timmons gets a look in the NHL. And if if Timmons proves that he's not ready, then we'll see we'll see what happens from there. But it sounds like the Leafs plan on keeping him on the team and just around the team for the whole season, even if he's not playing every day, just because he does need waivers to go to the Marlies. And, you know, knowing the Leafs track record with having guys claimed on waivers, I don't think they want to risk trying to send him down through that process again. So um, I think there's potential there. I think that, you know, Leaf fans should temper their expectations because this is a guy who's <laughs> – hasn't made too many strides in his development over the past couple of years. But again, this is a fresh start. This is uh, he's fully healthy right now. It's a chance for him to really gain some momentum for the first time in a long time. I want to say since 2020, 2021, where he was playing for the avalanche and, and um, yeah, we'll see what comes of it. But uh, overall, I'm feeling pretty good about, about uh, the trade overall and how we'll be able to fit into the team. In 2017, yeah. 18, Hollowell, Sandine, and Timmons were their top 
three point producer. Well, not top three overall, but on the fence, Hollowell, 56 points, 45 from Sandine, 41 from Timmins. So they're very familiar with each other. And also going back to what you said, Alex, about Diva saying that there's long term potential friend of the show, David Alter uh, wrote an article about it as well. And with the quote, he said, Duba said, it's also a future play. So they see massive long-term potential and promise from Connor Timmons right now. And I think this is probably not necessarily the answer, but see what he can do to show himself that, Hey, if anything happens with any of our trades down the line, like if we don't sign, resign, uh, resign Justin Hall, no matter what happens, we have some stability right there. How much of it though, is a play that they're not going to resign Justin Hall at the end of the year. Uh, that I, that's the I, I mean can't kind of I can't see that given how much depth they have and they want to try and give Lilligren and Sandine more of those opportunities. Granted, Sandine's on the left side, but Lilligren especially. I I honestly believe that you know leading up to the deadline, you're going to see a lot of talk around Justin Hall, and and that's why I think too that it's nice that I mean it's not nice that the injuries happen, but it's nice that the injuries happen because Justin Hall's getting an opportunity to kind of feature himself. And it helps in, in in trying to work out a deal, maybe leading into that deadline, mm-hmm. knowing that you have that depth as well. Um, and a lot of scouts have been at Leaf games too. A, a ton. And reps. A ton. So who are they looking at? No, absolutely. I, I do want to quickly step back to the, the Leafs defense overall for a second as well, because as we mentioned, Morgan Riley's out of the lineup. Um, he leads Leaf defenseman with 16 points, still leads Leaf defenseman with 16 points. The closest guy is Rasmus Sandin with eight. So obviously offensively, you want to see the Leafs de- uh, defensive core kind of step up a little bit. That said, also worth noting that Rasmus Sandin is leading the Leafs in hits and 30th in the league when it comes to that category as well. So something worth noting as well, when you're talking about, you know, maybe where Rasmus Sandin fits into this lineup um, moving forward. Uh, definitely, definitely making his mark in who needs an enforcer when you have Rasmus Sandin. That's right. That's right. He even steps up when he thinks that uh, Matthews is done wrong. So there you go. A uh, guy like Rasmus Sandin is somebody you want in the lineup uh, whenever you can. And he adds a little bit of that offensive uh, flair as well with eight points in 25 games. Um, Dubas's goaling, goalie gamble. We've talked about this time and time and time again. We lived on it when it was the offseason and these moves were made. And Ilya Samson- Samsonov sorry, came in on this prove-it deal. Matt Murray came in. Um we basically stole Matt Murray from the Ottawa Senators, uh, got two picks along with it for essentially nothing, salary retained. This is the best case scenario right now uh, for the Leafs, if you're talking about goaltending. Um, Eric Shalgren's played 10 games, has stepped up in every single one of those games. He has a sub-3, three, uh, 3.0 goals against average, which is great for a third-string goalie. His, his save percentage is under 900, but that being said, the opportunities, you know, he doesn't see as many shots and, and lets in a few weak ones uh, when when he is um, when he is playing as well. So that's why he's sitting around 898, 98, I believe. Um, but when you're talking about the two starters, which is for the first time in a long time, they had both starters uh, in the game or in on the bench uh, last night. Ilya Samsonov and Matt Murray are now combined for a 12-3-1 record for the Leafs this season. And that's from Jonas Siegel. Um, 12-3-1 for a tandem that 
everybody was cr- uh, criticizing. Now, most did say that Samsonov would be the better goalie at the E by the by season's end. That said, Matt Murray has done everything to to basically shit on that that narrative, and he's done a fantastic job of doing it. I've been on the Matt Murray train from the beginning. You guys know where I sit on this. I think the fact that you have a 1A, 1B like this, you have a guy that's gone out and won two Stanley Cups as a 1A, 1B, because let's not forget, Marc-Andre Fleury was a big piece of those Stanley Cups. Mm -hmm. Alex, what are your thoughts on the goaltending situation in Toronto right now? I've said it multiple times in the past. You know, Murray and Samsonov is a tandem that's really easy to root for just on the sheer basis about how much they were scrutinized heading into the season, mostly Matt Murray. You know, there is an unnamed sports broadcaster with, with, with Sportsnet. You remember, if you remember his tweet from the summer when they were, the Blue Jays were in Boston and apparently some members of the, uh, apparently some members of the uh, Red Sox broadcast team were making fun of Matt Murray and this, this sports broadcaster tweeted something about that. I don't know if you guys remember what I'm talking about. And, you know, when it gets to a point where, local sports broadcasters are flaming you and making jokes about how much of a joke of an acquisition you supposedly were for a team that had the stakes and and the circumstances that the Leafs do, you know, things are not going to be easy for you from the get-go. We know how much of a media hotbed Toronto is. We know how much, you know, how, how many polarizing figures there are in the Toronto media. And so Murray, the odds were stacked against Murray heading end of this year and i'm very happy to see the way that he's looked to start the season outside of his first game against montreal he's looked so stable and calm and he's looked like a guy that's sort of found his game again compared to his past two years in ottawa playing behind an inexperienced defensive core and just an inexperienced team in general and a team that i think people may have thought were closer to returning to the playoffs than they actually were um it's it, you know we all knew it was going to be a risk heading into this year and and you know we don't it's important to kind of keep our expectations um realistic right now because there is a lot of time left this season for Matt Murray to get injured again there's a lot of time left for him to go on a slump you know I'd be shocked if he finished the season posting the best numbers that he has over the past five games or so but having said that you know Forbes we talked about it a million times before on the podcast we we've talked about how you know you can only you know, you can feel worried about this tandem, but you can also find some optimism in the fact And Peter, you found, you wrote an article a while back about how Leafs can feel optimistic about their, their goaltending tandem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were right in saying that because you've got two guys who are looking to, looking to shape people's views of them. And Matt Murray's a guy that, you know, heading into this season, he wants to, he wants to kind of reinvent his name and what kind of goalie he is and what he can bring. And kind of like rediscover his game that he had in his first couple seasons with the Penguins. And then you got Samsonov, who was a first round pick in 2015, who's 25 years old, and his team, you know, had the opportunity to retain him and said, no, we'd rather not. We don't feel like paying you $3 million. So, you know, you've got two guys who are on a mission, two guys who are willing to battle each other and you know, at the same time, push each other to be better and create a great goaltending tandem. And for the longest time, this team has had either one good goalie and one atrocious goalie, or they've had two goalies that are, you know, both decent, but also kind of hit or miss it. it, I, I can say with confidence that maybe outside of 2016, 17 or 2017, 18, I want to say when they had, um, 
when they had Freddie Anderson and Curtis McElhaney as their tandem. Yeah. Outside mm-hmm. of that, maybe, I really can't remember a time when the Leafs had two very good goalies. And, you know, like I said, there's still lots of time for slumps to happen. There's lots of time for injuries to happen. But what what I've seen from these guys in the in this month of the season has been stability and calmness. And that those are two factors that I think the Leafs need more than anything else. You never see these guys get too frazzled. You know, Samsonov will make a risky play with playing the puck every now and then, but outside mm-hmm. of, and Murray's got his glove hand issues so, somewhat, but even, in, even when we're talking about that, I haven't really seen too many instances where he's missed an easy glove side goal since he came back to the lineup. So I think that there's, there, there's room for, there's room for them to come back down to earth a little bit, but at the same time, you know, these guys are proving that what they can be at the top of their game. And, you know, in almost every single game, both of these goalies have played, they've given the Leafs a legitimate chance to win. And I think that if they keep this up and the Leafs keep playing a strong team defense in front of them, how instrumental is that going to be going into the playoffs this year? Because if you remember the past two years, as much as a lot of the blame can be put on the offense, namely in 2021, but also in game seven last year for not showing up in, in important games, both of those games, Jack Campbell allowed a soft goal. And mm-hmm. I think that's what even hell, you even look back to game five against Columbus when Liam Foodie scored that goal out of the corner, the five hole goal on Freddie. Yeah. You know, again, you don't want to blame the goalies solely for those games, but at the same time, it would be nice for the Leafs to have a goalie who can just stand on his head in a game like that and steal it for them. And, you know, if they can, it, like they're showing what they, they're capable of at the top of their game. I think if they keep this up, then the Leafs are going to be in a much better position heading into the playoffs. So obviously, Peter, uh, you you kind of know what uh, my feeling is on on uh, the Leafs goaltending situation, but they've done exactly what's been asked of them so far this season. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on Samsonov and Murray and where they can take this team? Yeah, again, the main two things were Murray's health and Samsonov's consistency and mobility in the crease. And I think aside from Murray's uh, injury to start the season, when healthy, he's great. Samsonov, he's managed to, you know, work on his mobility and his movement. He's more tight with the post. He's not overshooting and being over aggressive. That's a huge plus. But I'm going to throw a lot of numbers out there right now for these two right now because... It is absolutely amazing to see the, see these kind of numbers that we haven't seen in quite some time, especially for Samsonov. He and I tweeted this out last night has a save percentage of nine twenty or higher in seven of the nine games that he started this season. That to me is starter value, and the fact that he is second in goals against average with two oh nine and fifth in tied for fifth with save percentage, those are Vesna like numbers to me. But here are some other numbers that I'm just going to throw out right now. At All of them are five on five with a minimum of 200 minutes played amongst all goaltenders in the NHL. Five on five save percentage. <laughs> Samsona's fourth with 941. Surprisingly, Eric Schalgren is ninth with 931. Matt Murray, 925. Uh, Peter Morazic and Jack Campbell last year, we all know how you know, up and down they were, especially in that second half, like you mentioned, Alex. Morazic's save percentage is 895. Jack Campbell is 886. So just think for a second there, Peter Morazic has a better save percentage than Jack Campbell, albeit fewer games played and started. Going over to high danger save percentage, because this one is key because 
the numbers last year did not favor the Maple Leafs. Samsonov is still fourth with 898 behind Jeremy Swayman, Spencer Knight, and Philip Gustafson. Matt Murray is 12th, 870. So your two starters are in the top 15 among high danger save percentage because those chances are very crucial in those moments when the chances are going to come at you very, very quick. So the reaction time is there. Jack Campbell, his height, I'm going to start off with Peter Morazic because I think Peter Morazic, his is 854. So, you know, somewhat decent and good for top 25. Jack Campbell's right now is 754. Now, hearing those numbers right now, we were sick. We, we, when Jack Campbell signed with Edmonton and Toronto traded for Matt Murray, everyone was saying, Well, why didn't they just sign Jack Campbell? You know, he was, he, he showed, he was great last season. Why not just commit to him? These numbers right now that we're seeing with Edmonton are not that great. Granted, Edmonton is not a very strong defensive team because, you know, they rely heavily on two players. But at the same time, right now, if you were expecting Jack Campbell, to be that goalie for you on a poor defensive team already that struggled at certain points last season as well. That was a big mistake because Toronto was a far better defensive team than the Edmonton Oilers. Cause who else do they have beside Darnell nurse at that point? Not a whole lot right now. What you're seeing with these Maple Leafs numbers from Samsonov and Murray and even Shawgren for that matter, the defense has improved in front of these goaltenders making their life easier. Even with the same defense core intact last season, Jack Campbell struggled, especially down the stretch and even into the playoffs. So the fact that you have these kind of numbers and production from Samsonov and Murray is absolutely phenomenal. And I'm still kind of shocked that the save percentage wise, all three of your goaltenders are in the top 15. What does that say? It's also worth noting what the Leafs gave up for Matt Murray. Yeah. Future considerations. Future considerations. They got a, a third-round pick next year. They got a seventh-round pick in 2024. 25% of his salary retained. And Matt Murray is having the season that he's having. Um, it, I'm just going to say that third-round pick is going to be very, very good considering how deep this draft is. This draft is so deep, so it deep, and that third-round pick is going to be – if you could get a guy like a Matt Hollowell – well, you, you get you get a guy like Matt Hollowell in the fourth round, you dev- develop him the way that they have. What you're going to do with the third round in, in this dr- particular draft – like this is going to be one of the best drafts in the last 10 years, mm-hmm. re- without question. Um, so, yeah, I mean – what a steal. And, and as you mentioned, no no hate on Jack Campbell. Uh, yeah. I should note that as one of the TikTok followers on our uh, our, our podcast, TikTok, no, let me know. Everything was good up until they saw the Jack Campbell signed jersey on my wall. I love Jack Campbell. I think the guy's mm-hmm. incredible. I think the guy's great. I think he's a great human being. He's not a full-time NHL starter. And his numbers this year with that Edmonton Oilers – so reminiscent of like a grant fear back in the eighties. Um, just not the, the numbers aren't there and, and you, you will not go far in the playoffs with the numbers not there. So that in mind, um, I think the Leafs goaltending is exactly where you want it to be to have a guy like Eric Shalgren come in that early and step in to the role that he stepped in and played 10 games and had the numbers that he had. 
you couldn't ask for anything more. You mentioned um, that third round pick for him. So I'm just looking at it right now. At the moment, if things planned out or panned out, it would be the 68th overall pick. So you are literally getting, considering how deep this draft is, you are getting a literal second round talent that's going to drop into that third round. And this can be that Topi Niamela kind of situation again, where the Maple Leafs traded down. They could find another high end prospect this early on. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be dangerous. This this trade we're going to look back on, and I'll do I'll do a revisiting piece in ten years from uh, for the hockey writers if I'm still or next I'm year still writing, or next year we'll see we'll see how it all works <laughs> out. But um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting trade to see to to look back on uh, in, in a couple of years and and see what Dubas was able to do, whether he's with the team or not. Um, one last point for the Maple Leafs boys, and this is something that kind of I I'm interested to get your thoughts on because it's been all over social media. The jerseys, the the retro reverse jerseys, said to be used for the last time last night. The patches as well, the the Borea Salming um, memorial patches, said to be used for the last time last night. Peter, I want to get your thoughts first of all because, to me, I think first of all the jerseys are a knockout. I, I love, mm-hmm. I absolutely love these jerseys, but to have the patch kind of retired after just a few games following uh, the passing of Bore, um your thoughts on not running the year with them. Yeah, I, I I can maybe understand why they're doing it to try and honor him, but what what's better honor than wearing those jerseys at least another two times and especially those patches because everyone is act, like we're clamoring for real sports in the Maple Leafs to start selling those patches because they're absolutely phenomenal. And the fact that they are in every single jersey reverse retro bought uh, it's going to, you know, uh, ALS research. And that's absolutely phenomenal. Um, again, I can kind of understand why, but it just doesn't make any sense because why would you try and get rid, not get rid of it, but retire it early on when other teams are still wearing it. And again, I, I don't think that probably would be the right move. I'm not a fan of it, but you know, there isn't anything, and especially the patch too. I think the patch is one thing that you should be wearing all season long because this guy was, a, Borea Salming was a Maple Leaf and hockey icon. We, we've heard so much about how he was an icon and how much William Melander and all the other uh, Swedish players have talked about it on the Maple Leafs. Um, why not continue to wear that? Because he was the king. He was everything personified to be a Maple Leaf and to be, you know, a, a very great uh, player internationally too. But at the same time, I, I just don't understand giving it up this early because fans want to see more of it. And granted, they're buying it right now, but to see them wear it more would be more of a testament and statement to honoring Boria. Alex, your thoughts, uh, this, this coming from Chris Creamer, um, sports logo net. Uh, he, he kind of reported that the, the re- reverse retro and the patch will be retired after the game against San Jose. What are your thoughts on uh, the retirement of both? Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, I don't know what the Leafs' plan is to honor Boria, and maybe this is something that they worked out with his family and the and other people in the mm-hmm. organization where they all felt it was appropriate to retire his patch um, after wearing it for the, after a couple of games. Um, but speaking as a fan and somebody who you know, I never got to see Boria Salming play obviously because he was he was before my time, but. 
you know, the, the, the emotions that I felt watching that those ceremonies and, you know, watching the reception that he got from the Scotiabank arena crowd. And then, you know, going through all those emotions again, when he was, when it was announced that he passed away, um, he meant so much to this organization. And I really, really wanted to see the Leafs wear that patch for the rest of the season. On top of the fact that it was just a beautiful patch, the, the mm-hmm. yellow crown that says Borea across the top, the number 21, you know, the, the, the patch itself is beautiful, but I, as a speaking as a fan, I really wanted to see them honor Borea all season with it. And, you know, kind of use it as a martyr, not a martyr, sorry, wrong word. Um, to sort of use it as, as motivation to show up and embody what Borea brought during his time as a Toronto Maple Leafs, what he, what he normalized, uh, uh, not even normalized, just what he, you know, the president that he sent when he, when he got to Toronto, that, that, that style of play just to, you know, put your body on the line at all costs, do whatever it takes to help the team win. I think that mentality is something that the Leafs have lacked for a couple of years and something they've really needed. And what better way to honor Borea, but then by wearing that patch to, you know, to honor him and to, you know, hopefully motivate them to embody what Borea was all about for the rest of the season. So, yeah, I don't have too much more to say on the topic. Peter was right on the money. I mean, you know, it would have been nice to see them honor Borea all season with that patch. I, I, I guess it's okay if they, if they talked about it with his family and they decided mutually, you know, it's time we'll retire it after this game. That's okay. But at the same time, I wanted to see them wear it all season. I think that it would have been a it would have been a great way to honor uh, the best defenseman in the team's history. Yeah, so I mean, I from what I understand, it's an organizational decision. Um, Chris Creamer, as I mentioned, uh, by by my count, the Toronto Maple Leafs have worn six memorial patches throughout their history, with the only with only the King Clancy and Harold Ballard patches worn for a season. So the other ones include Pat Quinn, Johnny Bauer, George Armstrong, and now Borea Salmon. All of which were uh, were worn for um, a short period of time. About I a really week. wish you didn't have to tell me. I, I wish yeah. you didn't tell me that. I did not know they wore a fucking Harold Ballard patch all season. Yeah, yeah. You're I'd rather wear Boris Salmi, Pat Quinn, Pat Burns patch all season long. More, but you're gonna you're gonna tell me that they wore a patch all season to honor the shitty ass owner of this team from the seventies and eighties who literally called Boria a chicken Swede. Until he fucking proved to him that he wasn't, they're gonna they're gonna honor him with the patch all season, but not Borea. That that 1990, 1991, they wore that. the they wore the uh, patch the entire season for for Harold Ballard, mm-hmm. um, and as I mentioned, the 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 remainder of those were worn for about a week, uh, each one. Um, so it kind of goes along with organizational norms. That said, I agree with both of you. As I mentioned, I'm in love with the the retro reverse. I'm in love with the patch. I went out and bought a jersey. Um, I had to. I had to. I it yeah. was. I obviously. I'm. <laughs> I'm not old enough to have watched Bore play as well. Um, I do have a signed picture of him up on my wall here. Um, and it's uh, from the stories that I've heard. I mean, he was an incredible person, an incredible warrior, an incredible teammate, an incredible player, um, and somebody that should be honored year round, not just for a week after his passing, and then kind of passed off on so that's where i sit on that uh that uh part of it as well but gentlemen before we get we we close out uh this week's episode just a couple notes on the nhl or from around the nhl uh we're gonna start with chris letang obviously our thoughts and prayers are with chris letang and his family suffered his second stroke he had one back in 2014 um 
obviously not not great news, especially when it's been a second one. Um, mm-hmm. and, and in this moment, I'm also going to shout out front of the show, Sebastian Jackson, as his daughter deals with some of those issues as well. Yeah. Um, trying to get answers is is one of the most difficult things as a parent. Um, and uh, we, we are sending our best to Sebastian and Chris Letang's family as well um, as, as they deal with this, this, uh, these medical, uh, we're calling medical mysteries until they get answers. But um, so we hope, we hope, hope, hope that he's, he's, you know, resting at home with his family and, and, and uh, all the best to Chris Letang. And hopefully he has a speedy recovery. Um, Pat Maroon, uh, fat shamed by the, Jack Edwards um, on live television um, kind of bounces back at him with uh, donating money to any of those ha- that have dealt with bullying or, or body image issues. And uh, we, we talked about this with Alejandro Kirk earlier in the year, mm-hmm. gentlemen, did you want to add anything to what Pat Maroon did um, to kind of shut Jack Edwards up? I'm, I, I love what Pat Maroon yeah. did. Mm-hmm. And you know what, there were some people, but I, I, I don't want to, you know, paint Bruins fans with this entire umbrella. Cause I know there's a good chunk of Bruins fans who don't like Edwards either, but you know, there were some fans out there that were trying to say, Oh, it was a harmless joke. You know, Pat Maroon's been called fat Pat his whole life. He jokes about it, et cetera. I don't know if you read his Bobby, quotes. Bobby Ryan was one of them. Bobby Ryan yeah. was one of them. I don't know if you read one of his quotes or, or like some of his quotes from today. He did not seem to like that joke coming from Jack Edwards. And I don't blame him. No. Honestly. I mean, He's crossed the line that... way too many times with his broadcast. And, and the fact that he still has, he's able to call games after many multiple, like, borderline, like, comparisons or comments like that. Yeah, he's, it, he's it, fu- it, it's disgusting. He's yeah, fucking he's ignorant. A, he's an ignorant he, sorry, person. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Alex. No, uh, that, that's was just, okay, that was just Peter. the one line I, know, I was going to say. It's just disgusting. We're all, we're all bottling up some thoughts, I know. Yeah. <laughs> rage, baby, you know, rage. The, re- rage. The reality is, I mean... I think the, the calling him calling him fat is one thing, you know, Pat Maroon, like, you know, the, to be fair, there was a little merit of to Bobby Ryan's point. I, Pat, Pat Maroon is a, he's a big boy. I'm sure it didn't offend him personally to be called that. I, I won't say it. I mean, it did clearly offend him in his quotes that uh, in this, in his quotes today that came out, but you know, as like, you know, he, he's clearly able to take a joke like that. He, he wouldn't have the nickname Pat, uh, fat Pat if that wasn't the case. Having said that, that's not a joke that Jack Edwards should be making. Jack Edwards, this, as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned, doesn't know Pat Maroon personally. You know, this isn't a joke that, you know, everybody sort of has the right to make. Like, this is this is something that, that Pat Maroon, you know, doesn't need to hear from a guy who he's never met before, let alone on a national broadcast. And, you know, think about all the people who have dealt with body image issues and yeah. all the people who have who have been bullied over things like that. And you've got a veteran broadcaster making jokes about it on live television in front of millions of people. That's not a good president to set. And, you know, on top of that, I've always hated Jack Edwards just because, you know, I understand being a homer, being a homer is one thing, you know, every team loves to have a broadcaster who's secretly a fan of the team and, 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 you know, shows it during the broadcast. Having said that, there is a fine line between being a homer and going out of your way to mouth off about random players and opponents and people on the other team and in the other organization during a game and to let it get to a point where you're not even calling the game anymore. Like, buddy, you're paid to 
commentate on the Bruins game, talk about what's going on in the game. He he joked about Pat Maroon for like a minute and a half. And it was just, it was ridiculous. Like, I don't know. I'm not going to, I don't really have too, too much else to say on the topic. I just, I, I, I'm going to be talking for 10 minutes if I air out all my feelings on, on Jack Edwards. But, you know, it was just a, just a, a absolute Bush league thing for him to say. And, you know, for him to say all those things and make those jokes for a crowd, like in, in front of a crowd where there's going to be people in there who have dealt with body image issues in the past and people who have, you know, made fun of people for how they look. And Edwards is only fueling the fire by making those jokes. And, you know, he sh- at this stage of his career, he should know much better than that. But I, I'm, it's sad to say, I'm not, I'm not shocked at all that he made those jokes and um, huge props to Maroon for, for making something good out of it and making a donation in Edwards's name. Because, you know, like I said, he's, I'm sure it's not the first time he's been called fat Pat before, but to do it on, on a broadcast in front of, in front of people, like in front of millions of people who are watching, it's just, it's, it, it was an absolute Bush league. Kids. There are kids mm-hmm. watching the game. Kids. Yeah. And, yep. and from, from a guy who carries around a milk bag bod, like, like myself, it's, it's different if you're, if you're self-deprecating when you're self-deprecating and you call yourself, whether he calls himself fat Pat or whether, you know, I, I can sit here and joke about, you know, having, having a dad bod or whatever. It's, it's different than, you know, you going out there and some stranger calling you, you know, fat or, or saying, Hey, like, you know, you, maybe you need to get on a diet plan or so, something along those lines. Like it's, it's different. So um, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more um, mm-hmm. before I get to these last two points here. Uh, go, I, ahead, I, go ahead. Peter. I like to add, Check out our Bruins writer, Scott Roche, who wrote a great article, Bruins play-by-play uh, guy, Jack Edwards, steps over the line again. I'd give that a very good read, and it lists many other comments that he's let, crossed the line over in the past. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, great shout-out to the hockey writers as well. Um, before we get to the last two points here, I I do have to quickly do this as I am a beer lover. I That's where I get my beautiful dad bod from. I'm very proud of my dad bod um, with that. A word from our sponsors here at the NDL House. Hockey is back, and with it, so are the Maple Leafs. Getting ready for a night out or, or watching the game at home with the gang, what better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the folks at NDL House in Toronto? With two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto, at Bay and Bloor, the Biroteca location, they have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food, and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew Pub in the junction at Keel and Dundas with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps. Indie Ale House is an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship Instigator IPA and dozens of rotating monthly special release beers. Perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. What can find, or sorry, you can find Instigator IPA and Marco Polo Pilsner at finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag live indie is the motto adventurous fun focused beers with a selection for everyone from a healthy dose of in your face hoppy beers for the beer geeks to mainstream pilsners and easy drinking options. Indie Ale House is the go-to for game day. Visit www.indialehouse.com to place your orders today. And gentlemen, last two quick points here. Um, I want to read you a quick tweet that I took, uh, I took note of um, regarding Nazem Kadri. Matthews has taken a lot of heat for his slow start this year in Toronto. Nazem Kadri, this is coming from World Hockey Report. Uh, Nazem Kadri has zero points in his last six games and one goal in his last 10. Also doesn't even have a roughing penalty this year, not impacting the games at all. 
how much do you think Nazem Kadri is loving being back in Canada with that kind of shit reporting when it comes to where he's at in his game? Doesn't have a roughing penalty. When he gets a roughing penalty, he'll be the reason why they lose. I mean, he's got a Stanley Cup, so what? it's meaningless. Doesn't he matter. Only, he can only half fear you because he's got a Stanley Cup ring in his, in ear. his ear. I think, I think Patrick <laughs> Wall would say that. So, um, Alex, yeah. any thoughts on that one? No, I'm just gonna no. no. Canadian market, Canadian market. You already, we, you already know what my what my thoughts are. Um, I don't. I feel like I don't have to add anything. All right. I I, I just replay his post game conference. Uh, when he won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, lo- I loved it. I loved it. Um. Last point before we close it out. Alex Formanton cannot play in the NHL this year as he was not signed to an NHL contract. You guys know where I sit on this. I'm not going to get into the conversation, but we're going to leave it up to your imagination. He was part of that that uh, Canadian team. Um, he is not signed by any NHL NHL club, and at this point will not be playing in the NHL. Any comments from you two on uh, Alex Formanton not getting an I NHL I just don't contract? get why nobody has mentioned that detail yet. No mainstream hockey insider reporter, mm-hmm. I mean. Like, you know... I don't want to single anybody out here, but Elliot Friedman did say after the whole Kyle Beach thing that he, you know, that him and other insiders had to do better in talking about things like this as a whole. And seems like this is a great opportunity here to do better and to live up to your word when you say something like that. And yet we still, the, the, there, I've seen a number of hockey insiders mention that Formington's no longer eligible to play in the league and, you know, talk about this signing deadline and, he just mm-hmm. like no one no one's even mentioned like that he's a part of this world junior team he still hasn't made a comment on it like you know we can only speculate so much but there's a very real chance and, that he was one of the london, players in london based at the time london based, london based as well yeah he played for the london knights and it's just i i i'm just shocked that i mean i'm not i'm shocked but i'm not shocked that nobody's mentioned this yet so i I can't imagine that this is your standard. Oh, young players holding out because he deserves more money. Like, there's got to be more of a reason. This guy scored 18 yeah. goals last year, and you're telling me that there's just no reason that he hasn't signed yet. The He's Ottawa just... Senators who need extra help have not signed this guy. Guys, I am not one to sit here and speculate or, or start a rumor mill. You know where I from from the get go when this was when this was reported, I sat here with you guys off the air and said that this guy was involved. And again, I'm not going to sit here and speculate, but I will I will eat crow. I will eat so much crow if I'm wrong on this one. I will I will I don't I don't even know what I'll do. But I there's a reason there's a reason this guy's not signed to an NHL contract. And it's not because he lacks the talent to be in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Simple. There was a report from Frank Saravalli that sends were asking for a second round pick and a team put that's too much risk. And according to Ian Mendez, Pierre Dorian said that the negotiation for his contract and the Hockey Canada investigation were two separate things. But it just kind of seems weird with how everything's playing out right now that they didn't get a contract done. There's, It, it just seems fishy. I know that the investigation is still going on, and I don't want to jump to conclusions too, but something how many, just how many doesn't players, add up. How something many just doesn't have add not up. Can't commented. How many players yeah. have not commented on this situation? Yeah. And and that, and that's where things are not adding up. Again, you don't want to jump to conclusions, but at the same time, it's just like 
the writing's on it, the wall, boys. The writing kinda. is on the fucking wall. Yeah. Like there's there's I don't know. Anyways, I it, it's worth noting he's not playing in the NHL. Um, the truth always comes out. Sit tight be, and buckle up because this is going to be a fun fucking ride for Hockey Canada. It's going to be a fun fucking ride for those involved. It's going to be great to see when it comes out which players were involved and which players decided not to comment on the situation. It is um, going to come out at some point. That absolutely. Is... Absolutely. With that mm-hmm. said, gentlemen, um, closing at 105, anything else you wanted to add before we close it out here? Uh, Nothing for me. Nah, I'm I'm good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Live show December 23rd at the bottom line, 22. 13th. What did 13th. I say? December 12th? 23rd. December 23rd. Right before Christmas? No. <laughs> right before Christmas, yeah. <laughs> December 13th. December 13th at the bottom line, 22 Front Street. Steps from the Hockey Hall of Fame. We'll be there again. Jersey up. Get there. Have a few drinks. We had a fun time last time. Met some Islanders fans uh, that were in town. It was a it was a great time. And uh, as always, we don't mind sitting down and catching up with you guys after the show as well. Uh, with that said, you can follow Alex on Twitter at a Hobson Media. You can follow Peter at P Barakini, or you can follow myself at Andrew G Forbes. You can follow the show at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S T I X I N T H E Six I X P O D. Make sure you head over to any of the platforms: YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. Hit the uh, subscribe, hit the follow. Make sure you download our episodes. Help us out. The more we grow, the more fun we get to have. So um, leave us a comment, whatever you want to do to get involved. Also, thank you. Shout out to Sweden, who was number two on Spotify's rap this year for the podcast as the most listened to country um, when it comes to uh, this show. Uh, we we appreciate you. We support you. And uh, it's got to be all the Swedes that uh, that play for the Leafs. So thank you to Patrick Sandin for, for sharing the show out in Sweden. Yeah. Um, aside from that, guys, Make sure you make sure you tune in weekly. We'll be here again next week. That's it for episode 105.